This is Charles with the Barbershop Group Podcast. And this is Riley, your co-host. Today we're going to be interviewing a certified school psychologist. We're going to be talking to Nicole Thompson out of uh, Philadelphia. And it sucks, guys, that I have to tell you all that we have a Philadelphia connection. Uh, Nicole is from Philly and so is Riley, unfortunately. And they've already beat me up over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. We won't talk about that too much. But, um, you know, Nicole is uh, out of Philly. She's a graduate of uh, the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And I got her graduate in, um, at Temple University. And that's now where she is an adjunct professor. She's also a school psychologist there for a local high school. And I have to tell you guys, the children appear to love her. Unless those photos have been um, photoshopped. Uh, the kids really enjoy her company, and that's that's really awesome. So, Nicole, it's good to have you on. How are you today? I am great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I appreciate all the jokes in my introduction. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know we have to uh, we have to keep it light, man. We know that we discuss some heavy things, uh, and it's good still to be able to talk about those things while uh, making people laugh. You know, uh, I say that, um, you know, there, there's not enough humor in the world today. A lot of times when we open up our phones or go on Facebook or something, I mean, right from the jump, somebody's telling you some bad news. And it's like, really? I didn't wake up for this today. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, so it's, it's really good to have you to have you on. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention uh to you, Nicole, as we start start talking about children and trauma and adults and trauma, right? It's just years ago, I read this book um, from uh, Jeffrey Canada, and a lot of people aren't familiar with Jeffrey Canada. Jeffrey Canada uh, is an individual that's done a lot in New York City to help uh, impoverished families and education, you know, help them uh, continue their education. So, and I think it's really important that, that uh, people kind of pay attention to some of the work that he's done. Uh, he's an older guy. Maybe he doesn't get the attention uh, today, whereas he was getting a lot of attention in the 90s or early 2000s. But he wrote a book called uh, Fist Thick Knife Gun. And in this book, Jeffrey Canada talked about what it was like growing up in a, uh, a single-parent household in, uh, I want to say, Bronx or Brooklyn. And um, one day he was out on the playground with his brother, and they were playing. It was a bit cold. And uh, he put his coat down and another kid came along, took his coat and put it on. And so when it was time to go, Jeffrey and his older brother, they went ahead and went inside. And his mom was like, hey, Jeffrey, where's your coat? And Jeffrey said, oh, this boy took it. And the mom was like, wait a minute. What do you mean this boy took it? He said, well, we were playing. I took it off. And this kid came along and he put the coat on and he took it. And the older brother was like, yeah, mom, I saw him do it. And the mom was like, oh, you saw him do it? You saw him take your brother's coat? <laughs> you, know, you can just, you can tell that this is not going well. And so uh, the mom said, hey, look, you know what? Both of you get back out there. Jeffrey, you need to get your coat from that boy. And to the older brother, you need to make sure that he gets the coat from that boy. And if you all don't come back in here with that coat, then y'all going to have to deal with me. Those were her instructions to the kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although it sounds it, it sounds funny, we know that it's an experience that a lot of guys have had. A lot of kids have had this experience. And Jeffrey tells a story in a way that it's, it's humorous, but then he begins to break it down. 
So that's what we want to talk about today is the, the breakdown of that of, of that story. Um, again, a lot of people have been exposed to trauma as children, and um, we don't realize the impact of it. You know, I, I think that you're probably familiar with that story. You know kids whose parents have been like, hey, you know what? If somebody does something to you, this is what you need to do, Right. You don't go and tell the principal. You don't go tell the the the, the, uh, the teacher. You go take care of it yourself, right? But behind all of that messaging, isn't there a bit of trauma that we're missing? I I believe that is trauma passed down general 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 generation generationally. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. hard to come out for some reason. Um, <laughs> You know, because the old saying, you know better, you do better. Many mm-hmm. of our parents don't know better, so they're teaching us what they only know. And yeah. um, that's just like the main point right there. It, because honestly, the way the mom responded, I would have responded the same way. Like, <laughs> go get your coat. <laughs> right. Right. And, and of course, like, because it was on a playground or something you said. Yeah. There's no adult to tell. Okay, right. so right. if, it was, if it was in a different context, I would have told him to tell the adult, but I, I can't blame the mom for telling Jeffrey to go get his coat back. <laughs> no, it's no telling how much she paid for that coat either. So I'm sorry, I'm with her. Right? It's like, hey, go get your coat, man. I paid some money, you know, money is hard to come by. You got to go get your coat. <laughs> right. Um, but, but, you know, and, and I hear Riley laughing about this. I, I guess what was really a scary to, to Jeffrey was that, wait a minute, you mean I have to do. I have to do anything I, by all means necessary. I got to get my coat back. <laughs> like, so I can't whoop this guy. I've seen this guy whoop people on the playground. What am I supposed to do to get my coat back, mom? <laughs> oh, so he was a tough guy. He was one of the tough, tough guys. Tough guy. Yeah, it was a tough kid that took his coat. Now what? <laughs> so he deboled his coat. Right. Okay. <laughs> so now it's starting to become more clear. Okay. Yeah, he didn't just walk up to him and, you know, oh, it's a free coat right here. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I didn't understand that part because That's I grew up in the hood, right? I grew yeah. up in North Philly, and I remember one time going swimming. I had just got a pair of sandals that my mom had bought me. I think it was like a week or two before. Yeah. I went swimming. Of course, you have to take your shoes off. When right. we finished swimming, I came back, and my sandals were gone. Uh, I didn't know who took them. I couldn't yeah. chase the person, but they were gone. And I had okay. to walk home barefoot. It was like four blocks away. And my mom, she was very upset, as you think she would be, like, is expected. Right, right, right. But yeah, stuff like that, you know? You're living in a poor neighborhood. People don't have, so they take. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's it. So North, North Philly, Riley, North Philly, man. Is North Philly pretty rough, man? You know, I, I haven't been there recently, but, uh, but yes, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the reputation uh, when I was growing up was, was yeah, I think, you messed old. around with North Philly yeah, too much. I think, no. I think she's, uh, she's got the right idea. Yeah. They, <laughs> right idea. Anyway, so, so, so they were like, hey, the, the white guys weren't, they weren't just hanging on the corners in North Philly like, hey guys, what's up? It wasn't like that, huh? Uh, North Philly, North, what, Northeast Philly. Um, but, you know, just when you're, you're paint, painting this picture for me with, between the, you know, your story, Charles, and, um, and Nicole, when you're talking about the sandals, uh, you know, that just poof, disappear. I, I'm wondering from your perspective, working with kids, because I feel like I feel like some some kids can really take that to heart and they'd be upset. 
And then yeah. sometimes, you know, you know, a parent might make that even worse. And now you're in trouble for losing the sandals that, and I feel like, I feel like there's gotta be some, some differences there between, um, you know, if you have a, if you come from a, a wealthy background or if you're, you know, you don't have two, two nickels to rub together. Um, yeah. and you're, and you're dealing with, you're dealing with those kind of pressures and, and whether it's, you know, you had something stolen or you got someone picking on you. Um, do you, are there, are there any differences that jump out to you, Nicole, uh, working with, with kids that, that from those different backgrounds and how they handle those kinds of, um, experiences? Yeah. So coming from just like a poor neighborhood, it was the norm. It is sad, but you know, we couldn't leave our bikes outside. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes when we went to the store just to buy like a box of pizza, somebody would come by and try to snatch the pizza out of our hands. You could, I am not lying. I remember one time I went to McDonald's and I had the bag of McDonald's in my hand and a little boy rolled by and tried to snatch the bag out of my hand, but the bag ripped because I was holding it tightly. So Mm my, my mom knew what to expect because she knew the neighborhood that we were in. And when everyone in the neighborhood doesn't have anything, those that are really worse off than what you are, are trying to get it. It's like, you know, stealing from the poor and you are poor. And you are poor, yeah. Right, exactly. So, um, and then compare that to a well-off neighborhood, they're not used to those type of things. And you don't even have to worry about those type of things in all honesty. And if somebody does steal your coat, I'm pretty sure their parents will just be like, oh, that's very unfortunate. I'll go get you another one today because they have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 something. I, I mean, like, so survival of the fittest is this like it's amplified. Yes. What you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. OK. So, I mean, and that has to that has to really, really impact like just your I mean, your psyche, your vibe, man. Like like just how do you how do you enjoy it? Just, just the candy that you were talking about that you had, like. Can you really even enjoy something as simple as that? It's got to weigh you down. And it does to a certain extent. And I'm just speaking personally now, not even from a a student's perspective. Mm -hmm. It does. But if that's all you're used to, you don't know anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in that neighborhood, we barely left because we didn't have a car and we didn't have money really to get out of the neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. I actually thought that that was just like something that people had to deal with. And, you know, my mom and my grandma always told me, like, you know, when you go to the store, be careful or whatever. But most definitely it does. It it makes you um, always act with a heightened sense of awareness. And Mm -hmm. we know that that can always go wrong because you're starting to raise your stress levels and everything. And you're always on go. You're always on fight or flight. So. Right. Right. That squirrel brain. You just like, hey, what's happening next? What's going on now? Was that a gunshot? Or was right. that a tire popping? You just don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 That's 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 something else, man. So so with the with the, the kids that you're dealing with today, you know, um, how would you say that that uh, some of these, you know, I don't and I don't know everything that kids are dealing with uh, today, but 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 from what I can see, they still have some some traumatic things that they're ex- exposed to. So you know. How are they dealing with it? What are they coming to you, talking to you about today? Okay, so they're talking about, I mean, it's way more extreme than someone stealing food from them. Now, a lot of it is, 
RIP this person or RIP that person. Mm -hmm. We just, I'll give you an example. We just finished school on um, June 12th was the student's last day. And just from then to now, we've already lost two students. Is that right? Yes, they have been murdered. Not just a car accident or anything else. So when you go online on anyone's social media, it's RIP. The one um, student was just going to the 10th grade, and I think the other one had just stopped maybe a year or so ago. So they're and dealing they, with... They, this with, is homicide. These were young young people who were murdered. Yes, young people that were murdered. And the reason is because they had a connection to the streets. They, okay. You know, that, that was their way of, you know possibly getting things that they didn't have instead of going to snatch it like you used to do back in the day. They're out there selling drugs or something like that. I also get um, a lot of kids saying that, and this is the females, rape is really common in the area that I'm in. Way more common than we would ever conceive because um, the one girl in particular, she was raped and she's 17 now. She's already been raped three different times by wow. three different people. And it's one of those things the last time she didn't even want to tell anyone because of the people that he had connections with. So she mm-hmm. didn't want to tell it so it could get out in the school. And then, you know, they handle it however they want to handle it. Yeah. And how they handle it can always depend um, on the circumstances because he could have got girls to jump her. Or, you know, he could have beat her up because domestic violence is also way too common in the area that I was serving. I see um, the students, the guy students beating up girls a lot. Is that which right? Is, yes. And I've seen it in the classroom. One of the boys pounded the girl on the face. He was on top of her, pounding her in her face like she was a dude. And wow. how they're dealing with it is a lot of them smoke weed. Okay. A lot of them don't have any type of hope. Because every time they turn around, these are the things that they're seeing. So a lot of them aren't trying hard in school because they figure, why try hard? This is what I see. This This is my reality. This is life. Exactly. So Mm. school isn't going to do me any good. I I hear stories upon stories, one after the next, just like mirroring those things. Mm. Wow. So difficult to deal. That's a lot (laughs) to deal with. And it's not a, and like you said, Nicole, it's, you know, there's heavier stuff than, than food and sandals. We, right. Exactly. You know, yes, so obviously, you know, we have, we, as a, you know, an urban, um, urban school psychologist, we know, uh, we know your role and, and, and how you, uh, how you're working with the kids. Um, but what do you think that it seems like that, you know, that, that can't be the, the only role, you know, you're not a, a lifesaver. You know, you can, you don't have you can't take it all on on your own, um, and I'm certain that 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 other relationships and the community, you know, uh, the other uh, figures that they have in their lives, these kids, their lives, has to play a role. What do you what do you see that role, or what should it be, and and what do you actually see see it as today? Is you know if 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 it's lacking, or what's what's the is there any gap there between what you think would be helpful for these kids? Uh, to have, you know, in the community, whether it's a, a father figure or, or a, you know, a mother or, uh, or a good teacher or a friend, whatever it is, you know, do they have these things um, in place to help them out, to help them cope? Okay. So, of course, I think the whole community should be a part of it to mm-hmm. raise a healthy child, like the school, the parents, the community, the churches, whatever it may be. 
-hmm. But in all reality, um, it's not like that. Um, because a lot of the times the parents are either on drugs or just don't have care of the children. Because a lot of the students we have are in foster care or they're adopted for numerous reasons. Um, some of the kids that still do live with their parents go home every day and wonder if their parents are actually going to be there or wonder if their parents are going to be passed out from being high or wonder if their parents are going to beat them up because they're drunk and they have anger issues. Um, mm. I've had a couple of students tell me, you know, just sitting in my office, like, miss, I wish my mom was more like you. My mom doesn't push me. My mom doesn't tell me to do work. She doesn't even care if I come to school. And, and you know, wow. at that age, and they said it, they was like, I need that right now. And I don't have it. So a lot of just speaking from my school, we have, I would say a majority of the staff that we have there really do care about the students and really want to see them succeed. Um, but that's like a constant battle that we fight when we're there fighting for the kids, letting them know, hey, there's hope. You can do it. And then as soon as they leave the building, they see exactly what we've been preaching to them. Or I, I don't want to say preaching, what we've been mm -hmm. telling them and trying to show them in many instances. Mm, gotcha. You know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, because I read uh, Kevin Hart's book. I don't know if you've read Kevin Hart's book, uh, another another Philly native, and <laughs> yeah, another another Philly native. And you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that he his he he's trying to tell his story in a very humorous fashion, but it was filled with traumatic experiences over and over and over and over again. I was like, wow, man, I cannot believe that this is what this guy went through. Mm -hmm. um, so so I guess in my mind, it, it, you're talking about the children. Some of them are in foster care already. So this has been a generational thing um, that you're that you're speaking of. Hey, guys, Riley here. If you're enjoying today's show and would like to hear more, you can gain access to member only content by going to patreon.com slash the barbership group. We aim to provide as much value as possible to you and the rest of our community and our listeners play an important role. So if you want more content, or if you're just happy to support our mission and the other men out there, head over to patreon.com slash barbershop group to contribute today. So, um, you know, we're talking about Kevin Hart's book and his traumatic upbringing. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, there was a guy named Arthur uh, in our neighborhood whose mom was, she would always get beat up by Arthur's dad. Okay, here we are in these projects. Um, he's, you know, my, I remember my dad telling me one time, he said, hey, man, if you hear the gunshots, hit the floor. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, Arthur's dad isn't a nice person. And that's all that he would tell me. And uh, one night, I remember my dad having to pick up my mom, and uh, he wasn't going to leave us there at the house. He picked my sister and I up and ran us from the door straight to the car, and you heard these gunshots. And I was like, what's going on? And he said, that's Arthur's dad shooting at his mom inside the house, okay, wow. inside the house. And I thought that my dad, I was like, dad, man, you've been drinking too much Jack Daniels. You crazy, whatever. And so... Um, Later on, I want to say we were at school one day and uh, Arthur, we hadn't seen Arthur in a couple weeks. So everybody's asking, where's Arthur? Where's Arthur? And uh, we had heard about a young girl they found dead in a park behind the projects. And um, 
you know, I think she had her head, her head bashed in with a brick. Somebody raped her. We, we, that's, that's all we knew. And the teachers all came into the room and they said, hey, uh, guys, we got some bad news. As it turns out, Arthur, 15-year-old Arthur, is the person who did this to this little girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Riley's talking about present dads, absent fathers and what have you. But here we're, we're talking about somebody who is with, you know, he, he's in the home. He's a bad representation. And you're talking about that generational trauma. You see author's father uh, being extremely violent towards the mother. And then at 15, you see author being extremely violent towards this nine year old girl. Okay, so have you seen things like that happen repeatedly there in the Philadelphia community? Absolutely. Um, Like I mentioned just a while ago, domestic violence is so common. And of course, you know why, because the guys grow up looking at their moms get beat by their boyfriends or whatever. I had did a, um, a domestic violence presentation in some of the classes and the kids opened up and the one little boy said that he would see his um his mom's boyfriend beat her up all the time. Mm. And finally him and his brother got tired of it and he jumped the guy and really? beat yeah and beat him up. So that stopped that domestic violence, but then you see the domestic violence come out in the voice. It's always no. in life you could take it one way or the other. You can say, Hey, this happened to me, I'm never gonna do it. Or you can say, hey, this happened to me, so I'm going to repeat it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and that's how it is. Um, like I said, I've seen and heard about so many situations with the boys beating the girls up. Yep. Um, also, I think with just, you know, like a lot of our young black teenage boys go to jail. The reason why they go to jail, because they're imitating things that they've seen in their neighborhood. They right. want to sell drugs. Right. They they want to shoot, and they don't really know like the long term effects that this stuff is going to have on their life. They don't understand it. But when you're growing up in the projects, and that's all they feed you, and the music, everything you hear is about um, guns and going to jail and bitches right. and holes and all. Right. Yeah, you're going to do exactly that if you don't know any better. Yeah, that's the only messaging you're receiving. So that is life, huh? Right. Yeah. That's 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 so so what. What are some of the impacts that this is having? Um, what are some of the impacts that this is having on their ability to learn in school and then, you know, start to, I guess, to, to make an impact on having a healthy young adulthood? What, what are the impacts there? So without going too deep into the academic part of it, um, it actually changes the structure of your brain. It changes parts of your DNA and how your brain actually functions. So you start to learn differently. You may not be able to catch on to the work as quickly as you should. And that's how a lot of times um, these so-called disabilities and different things start popping up because um, compared to the normal population, and of course we know like their whole situation is abnormal, but they're not performing like everyone else. So it's raising red flags and the educators and the teachers that are actually trying to educate them brings attention to those that should be brought to saying that this student, let's just say, has ADHD or is mm-hmm. emotionally disturbed, which is like an umbrella term in the schools 
for like a really bad kid. So they don't function normally, but they're functioning normally within their environment. And that always, you know, causes a problem. So is that they, they start to get diagnosis that I believe they shouldn't have um, because what really needs to happen is we need to treat the underlying trauma and get to the root of it. Yeah, Nicole, I'm happy. I'm, I'm so happy that you're, you're shining a light on this because I think that this, this topic and um, you know, so many problems that we, we as in adults experience, I think a lot of it uh, will, will stem from, you know, our youth and childhood and it starts there. And a lot of times we focus on the symptoms. We're not actually looking at the root cause of what's going on. But also with everything that we've mentioned in this conversation, it can be hard to figure out <laughs> what, you know, what is causing the problem. What And there's so many different directions that we're being pulled in and not enough resources. And I mean, it's a huge challenge, but um, I encourage, you know, our listeners to, to really take in what, what, what we're talking about and what, what you're telling us and not to, not to shy away from it because uh, I think it's, it's a really important issue. And, and uh, something that you mentioned that I think that we try to promote here on, on this podcast as well is the, you know, know better, do better. Uh, you know, we're trying to share the right information. So I want to ask you, um, you know, in the light, in light of everything that we have been talking about here, we, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of listeners that are fathers uh, that want to be fathers. Uh, if, if with your experience and, and, and um, you know, academic and know-how, <laughs> um, what, what what's something that you could you could say to to those to those listeners uh, as you know a piece of advice or just one just one one simple step or something that they can do uh, today or or think about um, as they're entering into fatherhood or or to turn the page in their you know in their role as a father uh, something that that they can really just take with them and and apply in their lives and, and try to make make a difference. Okay, um, so I'll give you like two different cases. If you're mm. not a father yet and you plan on having children, you have to face your own demons and you have to straighten those out before you try to bring another life into the world. I know it's easier said than done because, you know, I had kids and I didn't face my demons yet. Like I'm just starting to face them and realize them. And I believe that the reason is because I had kids and because I was working in a school full of kids going through the same things that I had went through. Mm. Um, so the second part is if you are a father already, again, face your demons, go to therapy, talk it out and reveal whatever it is that's hurting you on the inside and fix it. And it's not going to be a quick fix, but the more you educate yourself about certain things and the more that you face them, the better that it'll be with you healing and then you won't pass that down that um, generational trauma to your kids. Because if you don't face it, it's definitely going to get passed down and the cycle is just going to keep repeating itself. Yeah. Face, so face your, face your fears, face your demons. Uh, work therapy. On yeah. I mean, I, I, I am a therapist. So therapy in all honesty, yeah. we all benefit from it. Even if we haven't had like the most traumatic past, what you would consider the most traumatic past, we've all had trauma. We're all human. And all humans go through traumatic experiences and it would, it wouldn't hurt any of us to go, you know, see a therapist. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to say that. And, and I appreciate you saying it with, with the confidence. A lot of people need to hear it um, because, you know, for some of us, we came out of places where therapy was like, man, that, that's the devil. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, therapy was the devil, right? So, you know, lastly, uh, Nicole, I want to talk to you just briefly. We've got a few minutes left. I want to talk to you briefly about the uh, the book that you had a uh, had a hand in putting together for uh, the organization Black Therapist Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you have a chapter in there. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about um, how that came together for you? And uh, just what that experience was like for you, maybe what people can get out of purchasing that book. Okay, so the opportunity came about when I went to the Black Therapist Rock Conference last year. I had already had in my mind, and it was just like a little seed, I would say, that I wanted to write a book. I didn't know how it would look, but in my mind, I didn't have enough of a story to write an entire book on my own. So when Duran, who was the founder of Black Therapist Rock, approached me or approached um, the room about being a part of an anthology, I'm like, okay, perfect. I won't have to write a whole book. I could just write a chapter. Um, And my chapter is titled Saving My Younger Self because all of the things that we've been talking about or whatever is very similar to um, my childhood. Like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in poverty and all. I couldn't even go to the store without a threat or a possibility of things getting right. stolen out of my somebody, hands. Somebody taking your now later, huh? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, like, we witnessed all those things. My brother witnessed um, my mom's boyfriend getting murdered. I, and I don't want to give too much of the book, but it, it, my mom was depressed. We saw it all. We saw her drinking. We saw her ultimately take her life. So I believe that my contribution contribution to the chat to the book is really going to help save somebody just by letting them know that hey, you're not the only one that been through this and be- just because your now looks bleak doesn't mean that your future your future has to be that way. Like you can definitely overcome it and how you overcome it may look different, but you have to face it and get over it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you on that. And that's been like the, the, the theme um, and the message that a lot of people have been, have been sending out there. It's just that you're, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not by yourself. Other people are experiencing it. They have experienced it and that there's help out there. Um, we aren't on an island by ourselves. And that's one of the major messages of the barbershop, of the barbershop group. You know, Nicole, it's been great to have you to have you on. I'm sure that we could talk at length about, um, you know, trauma in schools because I have a, a lot of stories, but we'll save that up for another time. We do appreciate you coming in to speak to us today, even though you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. you know, yeah, we know Riley appreciated that. So, guys... <laughs> Thanks for having me, even though I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan. You are, really fan. <laughs> yeah, you are welcome anytime. You know, well, like I said, Riley, Riley's the co-host, and he's uh, he's he's got uh, Philly everywhere, so we know all about it. But you know, Nicole, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, uh, how could they reach out to you? I have a website called theurbanschoolpsychologist.com. I'm also on Instagram as the Urban School Psychologist, on Facebook as the Urban School Psychologist, and where else am I? On LinkedIn as Nicole Thompson. Okay, guys, you have heard it, and we will include all of her links for you when we, uh, you know, when we uh, 
as we do with everybody when we put it out there so you guys can track them down, you can ask the questions, and uh, feel free to reach out. This is one of the reasons why we do the show, obviously, is to give you guys access to the people who can help. Uh, so if you guys enjoyed what you heard today, you can go over to www.patreon.com backslash the barbershop group and uh, make a contribution to us today. It helps us continue to have guests on the show and just take care of some of the uh, the uh, the cost with the production of the show. And we have some other things that are coming down the pipeline as well. So uh, again, Nicole, we thank you for being on and uh, you have a, have a great weekend guys. That's all for us today. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Barbershop Group provides safe spaces for men to discuss issues of well-being and mental health. The Barbershop Group also serves as a resource to the community, providing consultations and public speakers through partnerships with attorneys, mental health professionals, family agencies, religious institutions, and other advocates. In the near future, the Barbershop Group seeks to renovate dilapidated residential and commercial properties in urban areas to create respite shelters for displaced men. We will also host mentorship retreats and workshops for young men and adults to foster growth through our Iron Sharpening Iron and our Rebuilding Men programs. In addition, we host a weekly podcast covering issues of mental health, homelessness, financial literacy, education, and leadership. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please email us at info at thebarbershopgroup.org, visit our Facebook page, or call 313-585-9948 for more information.